our souls, our minds long for you. Lord, we know that apart from you, we can do nothing, that we're all lost without you. Lord, that every single one of us were hopeless, had no peace, had no joy, had no confidence, Lord, outside of you. And we thank you, Lord, that, that you kept in, that you stepped in, that you came in, and you brought us to a place, Lord, of confidence. You lifted our heads. You established our feet. You established our steps. You put a new song in our heart. You pulled us from the mud and the muck and the mire, and you established us on a very solid rock. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you. And we thank you, Lord, that, that we're so, it's so tempting to, to, to believe that we don't need you anymore as we get older. As we see that happen in our little ones and the children, they, they begin to grow and they think that they don't need their father, they don't need their parents. And Lord, we are not foolish enough to think that. Lord, we know apart from you, we're all lost. Apart from you, Lord, there's no good in us. There, our righteousness is not enough. Our peace is not enough. Our love is not enough. Lord, that we must have you. Lord, we're gonna pursue you. We're gonna realize that our need, our desire for you is far greater than anything else in our life, that we are truly going to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, with all of our strength. Lord, because we know that that is the only way, Lord, that, that we must learn how important you are for us, that, that we must learn that we have to seek you first and put you first above everything else in our life, above every other thing that would try to come and take that spot. Lord, that, that we will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Your word says when we do that, we shall be filled. When we put you first in our life, everything else will be added unto us. We won't have to worry about the clothes to put on our back. We won't have to worry about the finances, the food to put in the cupboards because we've placed you first and foremost in our life. And your word is true. And you say, when we do that, to consider the birds, they don't make stores, they don't have barns, they don't stockpile, but you take care of them every single day. How much more do you love us? And how much more will you provide for us? So Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. And we know apart from you, we can do nothing. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn to someone and say, hey, it's good to see you here today. You're loved by the Lord and by me. Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Good job, Holly. Love you too, buddy. such a temptation as we get older in the Lord or as we grow up to, to think that we're not as dependent as we once were. And it's such, a, it's such a trick of the enemy to get us to think that we should be so much further than where the Lord wants us to be. And you guys are going to get tired of me 
mentioning this, but First John told, told me that he came into his own, and his own received him not. But to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, not self-dependent, not having all the answers, not having all the, the knowledge, but become children. Children know they don't know how to cook. They don't know how to work. They don't even need to. Like children know that they don't need to worry about all of the stuff. And good parents never want their children to have to worry about all the stuff have knowledge of all the stuff because they don't need to have the knowledge of all the stuff. And we can be free as children. Free to pursue love. Free to pursue the gifts, the callings that God has given us. The, and it's not a drudgery. It's so much fun serving the Lord. It's fun. I used to serve the devil. That wasn't fun. It was for a while. I'll be, I'll be honest. There were some fun things for a while, but it turned. And then it became torment and bondage and drudgery. And there was no peace in it. It was torment. I didn't care for myself. I didn't have any love for who I was. And I didn't love really anyone else. Not, not really. Not, not rightly very selfish so selfish but then Jesus give me the right to become not a Bible scholar not a theologian and I'm not against theology we must have good theology biblical theology but he gave me the right to become a child innocent I encourage you, if you have not encountered that, and I'm, I'm just beginning to like really begin to walk in some of that, and it's, it's kind of scary. Like, don't we like to hold on to things and know like where we're headed and what's, and we like to think we have some sort of control in this thing. We like to think that. We don't feel good when we don't believe that. But that's right where he wants us. Not dependent on ourselves. Not trusting in ourselves. Well, I can do that and I can do... There's a lot of things we can do, but we do them without him. There's so many good things we could do with him. But we have to first realize that we need him. And we must have him. And we must be willing to not do the stuff until he comes along with us to do the stuff which can get very uncomfortable <laughs> and very challenging. But it's only in that place that you realize that you don't need to do the stuff. And you learn how faithful he really is. And you learn that he loves you way more than you can even imagine. And that's where I want to live. Free. 
have childlike faith. And not be consumed by the cares of this world. But be renewed into a new life that is so different than the one that's being portrayed to us how we're supposed to live. It looks so foolish to the world to not live like they want us to. And it looks so awesome to God. When he could say, look at, look at what I do for my kids. Look at how much peace they have. Look how much joy they have. And it's not about how much money they have. God has, I believe in the prosperity gospel. I just don't believe in the one that's being preached. <laughs> His prosperity looks a lot different than what we say prosperity is. To be a prosperous as a Christian means we have love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, temperance. It means we actually look like Jesus. If you look like Jesus, you know how rich you are? Have you, have you, have you ever encountered? I have a handful of times, and it's sad to say that it's been a handful. Someone that was so much like Jesus that you literally felt you had been with Jesus. That you encountered a love that was so different, it was not self-seeking in any way, shape, or form. And you, I've hugged love before. And felt Jesus' arms, and it was in the form of a man named Donnell. And it was like, I, I've just been held by Jesus. If you haven't encountered that, and, and I want to be that someday for someone else. That drives me. And I have to die for that to happen. There has to be a resurrected Steve that is so much Jesus. Can't have any of me in it. Oh, I so want that. And I'm not walking on water with but oh I so want to and that season like that is that is happening of wanting to be like a child and free I would love to tell you that it it feels so awesome it doesn't so challenging to let go to let go of what you know to be free it means you got to let go of stuff and some stuff we want to hold on to. And we want to be justified in. And I want to be right. I can't have that and him. And he won't budge. He loves you so much, he will not budge. He wants what's best. And he loves you so much that He loves us enough to crush us. He will. He'll crush our flesh. He'll crush every argument against him. Anything that we try to raise up against the knowledge of Christ, it's going to get crushed. And I want to be thankful for that. And it's hard to go to that place. You're like, oh... Oh, we're going there. I don't know if I want to do that. 
You're like, yeah, you want to be like me. That's what you've been saying. Yes, I do. Let's go to the Disneyland park. That's what, that's all we want. That's all the church wants to do is talk about, like, everything is awesome. You don't grow there. I love the mountaintops, believe me. And, and we do grow in the mountaintops. Thank God for the mountaintop experiences. You know what I'm talking about? There's, there's these times in where the Lord brings you up on the mountain, and it's just glorious. But you don't live there. And I've grown way more in the valley of the shadow of death where the enemy was real and alive and his voice was very loud and I had to grow and I'm having to grow to know that I miss you I haven't left you I had to get into some spots where I go where are you at do you even care which is stupid of course he cares he loves us he went to a cross for us but he'll let you get into that spot so that, not that he knows he loves you. He needs you to know that he loves you beyond everything else. And he's willing to let you get uncomfortable. He does not care about me being comfortable. Not even a little bit. I'm convinced of it. He wants me to be mature. Grown. A man. I want my boys to become men. Men's camp, I, Steve doesn't know this yet because we just had to make a place. We have the place, but we were, I said, we're going to pray about what the title, what we're going to be doing. What we're going to be doing, men, is, is called biblical masculinity. I haven't got it all carved out yet, but I've got some areas the Holy Spirit hit. And it's, I think it's going to be really, really good. If you are a man, you qualify. And if you're a man, you should be there. We don't need to hear what the world thinks a man is or isn't. What's the Bible say what a man looks like, what a man's supposed to be? And it's probably going to be a little different than what you think. I'm promising you it's going to be because I don't even know what it, like I haven't carved it out, but I can promise you what he wants for us as men what we think we're supposed to be are two different things. But we're going to we're going to get in that. And we're going to come off that mountain with a new perspective. With some things aligned. And we're going to be the leaders, not just in our household but in our community. That God wants us to be. And we're going to defend the things that God wants us to defend. And we're going to love on the way that God wants us to love as men, laying down our lives, even to death. Like, love like Jesus does. Like, I don't know about the rest of you men, but I don't love like them. Not completely. I, I'd love to say, I love just like Jesus. I'm working towards that. I got a lot more dying to do. Because I still want to love like, I, I, it's easy for me to love people like you that love me. I got that down pretty decent. I'm still having some struggles with loving those who don't love me. Like, there's still some natural stuff in there that wants to, like, punch people sometimes. I know you guys don't struggle with that stuff. I don't want that in me. 
I'm not saying that there's not a time for defending Jesus, but I think we're going to look at it. one of the things where I want to have two services. We've added 30-something chairs in here, you can probably tell. Um, they'll be a lot fuller when we combine our two services. Because once we get, we're having this new, um, we're going to have a four-year belt where there's an office right now. You guys don't see the office, but that little narrow thing you came through, we're going to knock walls out and open up a nice double door entrance. And then all the tables and other stuff that are in here now will be in there for signups. And they'll, they'll all be seats in the back too. So we'll have 180 spots because we can be together. And I don't have to, like, stop after the first service and go, well, we got to quit because the second service got to come in or preach almost two different messages to two different groups of people because of there is two different groups of people instead of we're all being in one, one mind, one heart, one spirit, united. Powerful. Special. There's a special anointing in unity. You guys have felt it. It's like when we had the last time we were together was for the ordination services, for inst installation. There's power when we're all together. And I can't not see that. So we're going to have that all the time. And it's a season. I don't know. I, and I don't really care. Like, I hope you're – it's not – I, I don't lay awake at night. But some pastors do. I, I have not looked at how to grow the church. I, I, I spent, I've spent this much time in it. I get stuff sent to the emails. You guys are pastors. You, know, you get stuff sent to your emails like, how to grow your church and these 12 steps, and you can hire us to come in. And we'll I don't know. It's his house. It's his church. He's going to grow it and build it. He's going to do it, or, or he's going to close it. He, it. But it's his. And I'm okay with whatever he wants to do because it ain't mine. I didn't kick in the door to come here, so I don't have to try to keep it open. He opened the door. It's beautiful. It's free. Like, he opened the door. I've come in. And it's not my assignment to go, like, now, it is my assignment to evangelize, to, to preach, to teach, and for you guys to all do the same thing. And if we do that, the church will grow. But if we don't do that, it ain't going to grow. But I'm going to do what he's telling me to do regardless. Amen? So for a season, and I can't promise for how long, we're going to have one service. Now, if the church grows where we actually, like, there is only standing room, and there and it's that way every time, then you're all going to see that, and then you're all going to have to say, Pastor, we need to do something. And then I'm going to say, yes, we do. Are you guys committed? Because I'm not pushing a rope anymore to try to get people to sign up for this, that, and the other, and keep two services going. I'm not. I'm going to do what God's calling me to do. Amen? Does that sound like a, sound like a plan? There still will be some room for people to come in. There still will be some empty seats so that we can realize that our work's not done. If they're full all the time, then I think the church just thinks we did our job. No. If you have your Bible or your phone with the Bible app or whatever you might read the Bible on, how's that? Or the beautiful screen that you would put the verses up on. Chapter 6 of Ephesians. The 
talking about the armor of God. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Who to be strong in? Not in yourself. And in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the schemes, the tricks. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Some of you that are married have need to tell each other that. <laughs> That's a real thing. That mean, if it's not flesh and blood, then what is it? It's going to tell us it's spiritual. That spiritual realm is real. What it's mean, it's, it's more real than this flesh and blood stuff. This flesh and blood stuff is going to pass away. Spirits don't. battle's not flesh and blood. But our battle, we do wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. Do you hear that? Wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, in light of all of that, take up parts of the armor of God. Take up the whole armor of God. That who? Yeah, you and me. We're all in this together. May be able. Did you see that? That you may be able. If you don't take up the whole armor, you won't be able. Take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand. Listen to that word. Withstand in the evil day. What day? And having done all to stand, stand therefore. I don't know. I ain't the sharpest guy. I'm pretty sure he wants us to stand. <laughs> there's, there's something there. That might mean we need to get up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a story. When I was doing um, jail ministry, I, I don't know where I heard it. I didn't come up with it, I don't believe. Um, I'd like to give credit to whoever, but I can't remember. But I'd hear people say all the time, these, I've ministered to guys in the jail, and, and I could say this because I was a guy in the jail that the Lord saved, and so I could talk to them like I knew what I was talking about. Does that make sense? So I would hear guys, they'd say over and over like, well, when I get out, I'm going to try to come to church. When I get out, I'm going to try to do this. When I get I'm going to try. Tries a lie. Tries a lie. The Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So either say, yes, I am, or no, I'm not. Because whatever you determine, that's what you're going to do. So I remember I told a guy, I'll tell you, Anthony, you don't have to be in jail. <laughs> Try to stand up. Try to stand up. Try to stand up. Okay, so did you try or did you decide to stand up? Stand. That's what it's saying. Stand, therefore. That means you're going to make a determination. Well, Pat, I'm going to try to make it. No, you're not. You're not going to come. Just say that. I'm going to try. No, you're not. 
If you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Like, you do what you want to do. I do what I want to do. Even if sometimes my wife doesn't want me to do it. Sometimes. I'm not saying it's wisdom. But sometimes it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, what anyone else's thought is on the subject. If God tells me, and I hear and I recognize, this is God's will for my life, like the, the Bible. You don't even have to get into this whole theological debate on is prophecy the word from the Lord. Well, if it lines up with Scripture and it's not, then, then I would say yes. If you know the Lord has spoke to you, you don't try. Well, I'm going to, like, see how that works with the Lord. Like, I'm going to try. He knows your heart. He knows that it's a lie. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, there is times that, like, there's all these different stuff happening. You're like, I'm going to try, and you really mean I'm going to try. And you want to say that because, like, I don't know if I'll get there on time because I got five other things. I'm not saying that. But we use the word, I'm going to try. And you know, I am not going to try. So we're going to stand. I just want you to see that. I set out to say that there's a a positioning and a mindset of stand. So that you will withstand on the evil day. Stand there for having girded. I love that. Having girded. Not that you're going to go get girded. You've, You've got girded. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith which, with which you will be able. I love that. Not I'm going to try. You will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many fiery darts will you be able to quench with the shield of faith? <laughs> I love that. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying when? I love this one. We, we, will, we will dismiss this a lot. We'll say, oh, well, it, Paul doesn't mean that you're always supposed to be praying because no one can always pray. Like, I'm pretty sure he said always. Now, what does that mean? It means that you have an attitude of prayer and that you're always in an attitude of prayer. And in order to have an attitude of prayer, you have to know that you are dependent. You have to have positioned yourself, like from the jump, from the moment you opened up your eyes, like, I need you. That's what that means. And you were always in a mindset. When, when all these different opportunities arise to come against, the first thing that you do is we need to pray. I need to call supernatural reinforcement. That's what prayer is. I'm going to call in the supernatural reinforcement. I know how to do this, but I want the supernatural stuff. Right? I don't know how the supernatural stuff works. I don't even need to know how it works. I just need to know who's in charge of it and who knows how, and who can send it. Are you with me? So that's having an attitude and a heart of praying. Always with all prayer and supplication, which we're going to look at. We'll break all that down. In the spirit. So we're to pray always in the spirit. You know what that, I'm going to make this very simple. It means not in the flesh. 
done in the natural, supernatural. And to this end, be watchful with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Yeah, for everyone, all of the saints. So we looked at seeing the necessity um, the last week we dealt with belts of truth and the breastplate of righteousness so we got to establish ourselves in truth and what is the truth it's not cnn not fox it's not facebook it's not instagram that we've established that's not truth so we're not going to establish ourselves there but we're going to establish ourselves in what god's word says that's the truth and that's the realm of truth that we're going to walk in so then we're going to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which here's what it, it's not your righteousness. His righteousness, because our righteousness is filthy rags. We don't bring much to the table. His righteousness that we put on gives us the ability to be seen as the father sees the son. We put on Christ's righteousness like he fulfilled all the law. He dotted every I, crossed every T, got an A plus on the report card, and guess what? I got an F. And so did you. And then he came and said, would you like to have the A plus? I'm like, what do I got to do? What, what? But I got an F. Trust that my righteousness is enough for you. Trust that what I went to the, when I went to the cross, I placed all of your sin and the sin of the world on me. And I gave my righteousness to you. The only thing you have to do is put it on. Now, he didn't just go and put righteousness on on some, and then, so this half of the church, you got righteousness. God already placed it on you. Sorry about your luck. I created you for destruction. God is a just God. That isn't just. I mean, the simplest of the verses, the verses that we know, for God so loved half of the, the world. Oh, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave. Who? His son, the spotless lamb. That John said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of who? Half the world. Oh, no, no. The world. So then what, what do we do with that? We go, my righteousness is filthy rags. I must have your righteousness. I want your righteousness. I want the Father to see me how he sees the Son. Sinless, spotless, the Lamb of God. And guess what? The Bible says if you have placed the blood of Christ and allowed him to apply his blood to your life, the Father sees you as he sees Jesus. Sinless and spotless. That's righteous, church. So we are girded. And, and, and what does it protect? His righteousness covers our innermost being, our heart. All of the vitals for us to live are covered by his righteousness. So now we're going to step into <laughs> our shoes. And this looks a little different. I want to remind you that Paul is speaking to the church 
And the church is under Roman authority and Roman law. And they're very familiar with Roman soldiers and what they wear. So when Paul is using this analogy and he's talking about the, the armor of God, in their day-to-day life, they're very familiar with what helmets look like, what shields look like, what the, the sandals, the shoes look like that the Roman soldiers wear. And mind you, this was Rome who conquered the world. We think of America like we're pretty bad. We've been, on, we've been, we've been in charge for not even the full 200 years that we've been in existence. Roman government was over a thousand years. They ruled the world. They knew a little something about warfare. They knew a little something about armor. So when Paul is speaking, I said all that to say, when Paul is speaking to us about the armor that we, I want us to think about Roman armor. Because that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, this is what I'm talking about. So if you could put the slide up for what, what the, sh- the shoes, the sandals They were very purposeful about how they built those. Do you think a Roman army was... See, I would look at that, and when we see the shields, we're going to understand why they could get away with that. But that was very purposeful. They were very aware that they needed to be able to move. They needed to have support. They needed to be able to go into all kinds of different terrains and territories and have footwear that would be able to survive it and handle it. And, and soldiers, when you got to march, like they marched, had to take care of their feet. They needed to be able to have something that had some grip. They needed to have something that could go through the mud, the muck, and dry out very quickly. They needed to have something that could go through the heat and the humid, dry climate, and where your feet would sweat a lot, and they wouldn't get rotten. They needed to be able to have something that had support for their ankles and their feet, And that's what they designed. And I love the fact that they were smart enough to realize that if anybody that's ever played a sport, especially a contact sport like football, like I remember at Calaveras, we actually, back in the old days, we played on grass. And and when you would get in the wintertime, it would get wet. Sometimes you'd have a field and the conditions were different, and and we we could change out our cleats. Like we we weren't, like, I mean, I'm old school, but you were still able to do that. Now, if we assess the field right and put in the long cleats and the opposing team came and they didn't know that our field conditions were wet, it was a lot easier. It would be fun to have a great big dude. Like I played tackle and I wasn't that. I mean, I'm the same size pretty much except for I was lighter. And I would line up against big guys and I could move them where I wanted because it was like they were on skates. It was so fun. It was like, this is fun. Like, how big a hole do you want? Like, drive five people through here. Now, if they had the long cleats, too, that's going to be different. But they knew that you're going to need to plant yourself. You're going to need to lean into this thing. And these soldiers, they weren't going up there to be slipping and sliding to have, to have the enemy just kind of push them where they want. So we must have our feet shod with the gospel peace and that seems like a very funny thing of all this military hardware stuff and then it's like put on the gospel of peace you're like peace so we're going to war it strikes me as odd 
But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And he wants peace. He wants us to be able to go and take peace, the, the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. But guess what he knows? Our enemy doesn't want peace. Our enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Our enemy is not at peace with God. Now, God wants us to be at peace with him and at peace with people. He wants to love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves. In order to do that, we've got to have peace with people. And we are agents to bring the gospel of peace. But he's also given us warfare and tools and weapons because not everybody wants peace. And sometimes in order to have peace, you have to fight. Anyone ever had that? Like, how many people growing up, the dude was not going to leave you alone until you punched him in the mouth? You could want at peace all you wanted all day long, but until you punched him in the mouth, you weren't going to have peace. So sometimes, isn't that, I mean, am I crazy or is this how wars work? The world's like, we don't figure stuff out. We're going to go to war, and it takes war for us to figure out war is not good. How, let's, now let's work on terms of peace. God wants peace. So we prepare ourselves with the gospel of the good news that we can have peace with God. Aren't you glad? Like, I was at war with God. How many of you were too? If you're not at peace with him, guess what you're at? I was at war with him. He wanted me to be at peace, and I didn't want no part of his peace because I didn't want to do the things that required peace. I want to say, no, forget you. I'm going to do my thing. And he said, no, it's going to be my way. Oh, no, it ain't. So we're at war. Well, guess who won? I discovered I like peace. <laughs> peace is good. Here's something I learned. I can't carry the gospel of peace if I'm not at peace with God. You need to write that one down. You can't carry the gospel of peace if you're not at peace with God. And I'm not just talking to those who are unsaved. Church, how are we going to carry and have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel if we ourselves are not at peace with our God? What are you saying, Pastor? I see the look on some of your faces. Let me help you with that. I don't have peace with God when I am not in obedience to my Father. When I'm not in obedience to what He wants for my life, to what He wants to do in and through me, I don't have peace. And I'm not at peace with Him. How many... My, I was never at peace when I knew I wasn't doing what my father wanted me to do. So you can't carry peace because you're not in peace. So then the enemy can come and just put his finger and just drive you around. And you're just on skates. Because you're not in peace, leaned in to bringing the peace of God. And that's what we're supposed to do.
soldiers were responsible for their own shoes. They would go through three or four pair a year. I wonder when they realized they needed a new pair. I wonder when they realized that they used up all of the peace that they were grounded in. Whose responsibility was it? I will tell you, the Roman soldiers, Rome didn't provide the sandals for their soldiers. They got them. Whose responsibility is it for us? Having put on, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Therefore, Ephesians 6.13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if the day of evil comes, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, do you see that? After you've done everything to stand, stand therefore. Now, that word, stand your ground in the Greek, is anthistome. I like Greek a lot because it's very descriptive. English, well, you know, English is pretty jacked up. We, we, we have some very, like, we say love. Like, people say, oh, I love you. I love tacos. I love, like, no, you like that. Like, you're not going to lay down your life for it. People, friends, young people say, oh, I love you. Oh, I love them. They're so awesome. Well, but then the next day they didn't like something on their thing, and now we don't, I don't love you anymore. They, they didn't like my, they didn't give me the thumbs up. Deal's off. Greek uses four words for love. And this word for stand your ground in the Greek means vigorously opposing. So that's not just like standing, like kind of kick back, got your thumbs in the thing, looking. There's a way to stand that's vigorously opposing. I'm guessing it's not, I'm guessing it's this. It says, it means bravely resisting. Bravely resisting. I mean, there should be some confidence there, right? Like, I'm resisting this with confidence. It doesn't mean that there, that you know, like, being brave, people think being brave, like, that, that you don't have any fear whatsoever. No, there's fear involved. You just do it anyways. You do it afraid. Oh, they're so brave. They never have any fear. No. They just are like, it's got to get done. And Now, if you do it long enough, you start to get a little less fear. It's bravely resisting, standing face to face against an enemy or adversary. Standing your ground. Don't you love, God's so wise, like he's so consistent throughout this. Like he uses the terminology of wrestling. We're not wrestling against, you're up close and personal. He used wrestling on purpose. He uses this stand your ground, stand your ground, stand your ground three times in a, in a antistome. It's, it's standing face to face against an enemy or adversary, opposing bravely. Now, you, you're going to have to be able to do that, and your only way you're going to be able to do that is if your feet are shod with the gospel of peace, and you're dug in, and you're planted, and you're standing 
in that mode against, pressed into the enemy, up close and personal. Does that look a little different than, I put on for my shoes a gospel of peace. I'm going to go sprinkle my pizza. Peace to you. Peace to you. Do you think Jesus, when he spoke to the storm, he said, peace be still. He went, peace be still. And they said, who is this man who has authority to command the waves and the seas to flatten? Oh, when he spoke, people were listening. Now, Adam and Eve, they exchanged. This is so wild. We do it too, so we can't really blame them. Yeah, we can. Just kidding. Adam and Eve exchanged the peace of God for the deception of Satan. And we will do the same thing. We will step out of the peace of God and into the deception of Satan. Now, can you blame Adam and Eve? Probably not. I'm pretty sure if you are right now, the Holy Spirit's going, remember? Or he's bringing a mirror. (laughs) But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you glad? You see, Adam and Eve exchanged the peace of God for the deception of Satan in the garden. But Jesus came, this is what the scripture says, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Aren't you glad? Now, if we're going to be little Christs, that's what the word Christian means, then we should be doing what? We're supposed to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus, in the Bible says, you read from Mark, like it's Mark jumps right into it. Boom. He's like, everywhere he went, he was teaching in the synagogues, and he was healing those who were oppressed by the devil. He was healing those who were sick. He was casting out the devil, the demons of those who were oppressed. Like, everywhere he went, that's what he did. So, this is what Jesus did, and this is what we're to do. Destroy the works of darkness. And the only way we're going to do that, we have to be established in peace. We can't be established in the works of darkness. I'm pretty sharp. And we stand in the victory of the cross, church. You're not standing in your victory. People get in trouble when when we think we're so mature and we've conquered so many things that you're like, I got this one, Jesus. Here I come to save the day. And great was your fall. Right? How many of us have done that? I don't need my armor for this one. I'll go out in my slippers. Oh, you better put the your, your foot in those sandals established in the peace of God because your peace my peace I told the first service my peace looks like the heart monitor when you're in the hospital it goes boop 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 I have peace I don't have peace I have peace I don't have peace I have peace oh no I need his peace his peace is boop no not flatline not dead like boop 
Actually, that's the greatest. Rest in peace. <laughs> Die. That's what it is what his peace looks like. Well, he's not stressed out anymore, is he? <laughs> that's true. Let's get, don't we all want to get to that place? My wife hates that. It's like, you, you're kind of morbid. No, I... I seriously just don't want to know. <laughs> I want to be with him. You know what's so funny is before Jesus, I want. I mean, I even have tattoos like stupid, like no fear, like skulls, and and I would do things that was like, oh, he's not afraid of anything. It's not true. I was afraid of hell, even though I didn't act like it. I get Jesus. I ain't afraid of hell. I ain't going there which I ain't afraid to die. I'm not afraid to die. Honest to God. Like, I mean, I'm not saying like I'm going to like, like, I don't love life. I love the life God's given me and I love to live life and enjoy life, but I'm not afraid of death. I know like it's my goal, honestly. My goal is to be with Jesus. And I so want to be with him that honest to God, like if, if, it, if it came like, we're going to, I'm good, shoot me. If it's going to, like, seriously, like, I know where I'm going. I want to be with him anyways. You need to, you need to get there. That's peace. I, I'm not worried. I, I swear I'm not. And you can say, well, yeah, well, you, no, I've been in some spots, let me tell you. I've been in some spots. This isn't like, I, I got tested some when we went to Southern California last time. There's this guy out in the ocean, and I like to go way out there, and I just like to feel the power of the ocean. There was a dude way out there, and he'd been drinking. I didn't know that then, but I was out there so long that I started, you know, when, you know, it's, okay, it's time to come in, because I'm, I'm getting tired. I start swimming, and I hear, help. And, and I actually started coming in, because we were kind of in a, a riptide. And I'm like, oh, man. And I, I would love to say my first response was, here I come to save the day. <laughs> I, it wasn't. My first response is, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I don't know if I can save him. And I couldn't help but hear, help. And I look, there's no one coming to help. So I turn around. No, I, I went and swam after him and, and got him. And the Lord helped us get in. So we got to be willing to, like, it's not about me. Like, I'm good. If, if I had drowned, they would not have been, my wife would not have been happy. I promise you that. She made that very clear. <laughs> but I would have. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. And I would not have been like, oh, man. I, if I had just made it back to shore. Oh, I promise you, I would not have been thinking that way. I've been like, this is awesome. And there's no time in heaven, so it wouldn't matter how long it took them. There's no time. They're not going, man, I wish they'd hurry up and get up here because I'm bored. No, we're here dealing with time going, man, I miss them. Oh, I wish I was, I wish they were here. Oh, gosh, how I miss them. They're not there doing that. They're. They're like, they're going to be doing their thing, and they're going to be like, oh, hey, what's up? 
So we got nothing to fear. I don't know who, I did not share this with the first service, so someone here needs to hear about it. Not fearing death. John 14, 27. Jesus said these words, peace I leave with you. I'd circle in your Bible, my peace I give you. In order to receive his peace, you're going to have to let go of your peace. He doesn't make you take his peace. He doesn't make you receive it. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. That means no strings attached. I'm giving it to you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to go save 25 people and then, or go do a bunch of good works and then I'll give you my peace. No, my peace I give to you. Not as the world. And then look at, he, he does say there's some things that we have control of. Let not your heart be troubled. Church, you have a responsibility in that. He's telling Steve Dennison, don't let your heart be troubled. My peace I give you. Don't let your heart be troubled. My peace I give you. Now don't let your heart be troubled. Are you with me? Receive his peace, and now you have responsibility. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. What part of your body? What covers the heart? The breastplate of righteousness. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No matter what Satan says or anyone else says about me or what I've done, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. The Father sees me as he sees his Son. Don't let your heart be troubled. Stand, therefore, in truth and in righteousness and in peace. He also says, neither let it be afraid. You know what that tells me? We can let it be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't let your heart be afraid. You know what the Bible says? Perfect love. Whose love is perfect? It's not even your love that's casting out all. Let his perfect love for you cast out all fear. He loves you perfectly. He sees you as righteous. Let that love remove all fear. He's saying, don't let, do not allow yourself to be troubled by the lies of the enemy. Don't allow yourself to be troubled by the cares of this world. Don't allow yourself to be troubled by what the world's saying and what CNN is saying and what What's the word saying? Here's what I know. It's super exciting days we're living in. They're building light rails, like light rails in Israel to the third temple right now. This is in the news. Israel, they've already made, they've already, they are starting the project and they're making room on this light rail train system. I know it's to go to the, to the temple because they said so also because they're making this train so that it will hold sacrifices. Oh, and the red heifer, they got five of them. They landed in Israel. They need the red heifer to be able to sanctify all the ceremonial tools for the temple. They've been waiting. See, there's no reason to build a third temple if they don't have a heifer. A heifer? It's a cow. 
So they have to sacrifice this all red hair. Like, can't have one white hair at all. It's taken them this long. They found, they got five of them. Landed in Israel. Church, I don't know about you, but that makes me excited. Exactly what the word says is happening. Just like he said. You know what that means? We're good. He's in charge. He's in control. It gives me peace. If this stuff that's happened, if you don't know the word of God and you're afraid by what's happening, get into his word because it's going to bring you peace. And you don't even need yours. Get into his peace. He is not worried. His, he's so not worried. He's actually, the Bible says in Revelation, he's coming. When he comes back, his robe will be dipped in blood. Now, there's another passage in Isaiah that said that as he's conquering, the blood is splattered all over his robe. Now, I know that's not imagery that we think is very cool or very, but let me tell you, he is not ashamed of that. We want to be ashamed. Like, we want to make, make excuses for God and for Jesus. Like, we need to get, guess what? Jesus is not ashamed of who he is. So, masculinity, godly masculinity. Here's what, I will not be ashamed if I came home and someone is hurting my family. They're messing with my wife. They're hurting my kids. You know what's going to happen? There's going to be some bloodshed. And I'm not, I will not be ashamed for them to see blood dripping off of me. Now, you might not want to hear this, but here's the truth. I won't be, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I, you sh I didn't want to see you, you to see my... I'm not going to care about that. They're going to know my father loved me. They're going to know he was willing to do whatever it took for that to stop. And Jesus is coming back, church, in righteousness, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and his robe is going to be dipped in blood because he's conquering and he's putting an end to sin and death and the demonic realm and all the people that are anti-Christ, anti-God, that are persecuting his people and enslaving his people and all of the child sacrifice and all the child molestation and all of the things that are wicked and evil and perverse in this earth are getting dealt with. And his blood, the blood of the enemy is dripping off of him. And he's not ashamed of it. He's not. Well, we don't like, well, I don't know. We should talk about that, Jesus. Well, guess what? That's Jesus. He's a just God. Well, that doesn't sound very peaceful, brother. He wanted peace. And guess what? I told you, sometimes in order to have peace, you have to go to war. Guess what's going to come after that? A thousand years. Peace. All the world are going to come to Israel and realize he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the prince of peace. I don't know what that had to do with it, but John 16:33 Jesus told his disciples before he was leaving, he said, "These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace." Where do we get our peace? In him says in the world you will have tribulation you will have trouble is that true but be of good cheer i have overcome the world this says in a nutshell this is my translation so you don't have to agree with it it's okay if you don't but how i take that is because i've overcome the world i'll give you the peace that comes from me overcoming the world 
You can't overcome the world. You haven't overcome the world. But you can have my peace because I've overcome the world. That sounds good. I want that. I want the overcoming peace that comes from Christ. I don't want mine. Peace is the best thing we could ever shot our feet with to endure the many different conditions and battlefields and trials that we will face to keep us sure-footed and always ready to stand. That comes from peace, church. You gotta have be sure-footed in this day and age. You gotta be able to stand at a given notice. You can't be slipping and sliding and, oh, where's my other shoe? The trumpet's sounding, the battle's happening. Oh, shoot, where's my peace? I, I think I left it somewhere. I don't know where it's at. You're not gonna do too well in that fight. You better keep those cleats cleaned out. You better make sure those, those shoes fit. How do we walk in his peace? Well, you got to be in him. How do you hear the voice of God? You got to be close to him. How do you hear the still small voice of God? You got to be close. When you're way far away, you're not going to hear the still small voice. Like, if you don't think that there's a, the, the day and time that we're living, even in Jesus' day, he spoke to the crowds. And you know, it, was, it blows me away. I've, I've thought about this many times. Some heard thunder. Some heard his voice. You better be in peace. We better be hungering and thirsting. We better be wanting to be close to him. I'll tell you what, when I'm close to Jesus, I got a lot of peace. I told the first service, how many, I love Tom and Jerry. And you're like, this guy's wild. I am. <laughs> but I love Tom and Jerry. How many remember Spike, the big dog? I love that dog. Now, Spike had the little, I don't remember the little dog's name. Butch. Spike was a little guy. Okay. Well, the big dog was Butch. Detail. <laughs> I love that. Now, how many remember like when big dog would let little dog handle some business and Tom was like whoa you little sucker wait till he ain't around right now Butch is just sit up there he's having a time he's like look at my little guy he'll take care of himself and that little dog he's <laughs> hold it down daddy said they're going that's my boy remember that's what you'd hear him say that's my boy that's what the Lord gets. He, we get to do that. But we better never forget that it's because he is behind us. As soon as the little dog is out there chasing after Tom without dad behind him, it's a whole nother story. Church. The other thing that we need to understand, and, and I am going to close up here. You need to be up close. In this fight, you're going to be so tempted to want to get back. You are vulnerable. You need to be up close. As you're going to see in the armor, as, as 
I thought I was going to share this with Shield of Faith and all that. I had so much faith. <laughs> You'll see next week the Shield of Faith. It was made, this warfare was made to be up close. And the shield comes like this. The only area of the soldiers, the Roman soldiers that were not protected, was the back. Everything was made to go forward, to conquer. They were not equipped or covered to retreat. And the enemy is going to try all kinds of things to get you to turn and retreat and just take some space back. You can't afford to do that. You cannot afford to be afraid. You cannot afford to allow yourself to not stay engaged and planted in peace and leaned into this thing. Because if you turn back, Now, some of you are thinking, well, we don't have any armor on our back because the Lord is our rear guard. Yeah, he is. He is our rear guard. The glory of God is our rear guard. But nowhere did he equip you. It's his armor, remember. Nowhere did he equip you to turn. That is not even in his vocabulary. You are more than a conqueror. I've always, what does more than a conqueror look like? That. You're not equipped to turn. Stand. Stand there for. Planted in peace. I know whose I am. I know I'm a son of the Most High God. His righteousness is around me. I am planted in peace. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what comes at me, I am not budging from peace. I'm actually going to lean in even harder. That's what we have to do, church. This isn't some little little. This is for real. A Roman soldier. It's the last thing I'm going to share on peace. Had to be able to march 22 miles in six hours. There's a reason they had the footwear on that they had on. 22 miles in six hours. We need to carry the gospel to the world. And I'm going to say we need to keep our feet moving and be conditioned. You're not going to go, and we're carrying the gospel. We're carrying the good news. We're carrying good news. And the Lord is going to condition us. And I believe he's conditioning us now. Like, they didn't just take someone out and, here's your stuff, 20, 26 miles or 22 miles in six hours. Like, you're going to get yourself in shape. And football is called hell week. Conditioning. We've got to be conditioned. We've got to know in order to be conditioned with the gospel of peace, we've got to know the prince of peace. We've got to be at peace with him. We've got to be grounded in peace and conditioned to carry the gospel of peace. That means so that we have it, we've been establishing it, and now we can carry it to others. We can bring the peace of God. Oh, how, I don't have time to go there. But if you want to know what, what, the, what Paul explained what peace was supposed to look like in the second chapter of Ephesians, before he gets to the sixth, and it says, and he's talking about the, the, the putting an end to the hostility between the Gentile and the Jew. And it says that he breaks down and tears down the dividing wall. Church, if you've ever seen the country more divided than it is now, the Antichrist wants division. He wants to separate and divide everybody. 
and, and put titles on it. Oh, you're a Republican. You're a Democrat. You're this. Oh, you're a, a you hate all other cultures. You're a Nazi. You're Jesus comes in and he destroys the walls that separate. He comes in and destroys. Even in the church, we're wanting to, to teach people culturally diversity and how to care. Look, I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't understand how to be sympathetic to different cultures. I'm not saying that. But good God, we're all one in Christ. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. We're all one in Christ. We were all broken. We've all been saved. We all needed a redeemer, and we've all been redeemed if we know him. So we're all on the same ground, and we're supposed to bring the gospel of peace that destroys every objection and obstacle to separate. And even in the church, we're wanting to separate from churches and separate from, and I'm, hear me, I'm not saying that like we should ordain homosexuality. But Jesus, we need to bring Jesus to people so that he breaks the division between people. It's not about this. It's about Jesus. If we will bring Jesus to people, he will bring peace. If we will bring the good news of the gospel, he will destroy what separates people. He will destroy the cultural separation. He'll destroy the hierarchy. Well, I make $150,000 and you only make twenty. He destroys all that. We need Jesus, church. Because without Jesus, we don't have peace. And he is the good news. He's what prepares our feet to go take that message to the world. How many, there's a lost and dying world. I went to a Foursquare conference this last week, and I saw numbers that are staggering. You know how many people do not know the Lord? The majority of the world still doesn't. That should keep you up at night. They need peace. Sometimes you got to fight something to have peace. That doesn't mean you just go along with like, well, the world's saying this so, so, so we can have peace. I'm just going to go along with them. No! Peace for the sake of what? No, you got to stand and establish this is the truth. God loves you, but his way is right. His way is the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. Apart from me, you're lost. You're done. You need Jesus. Doesn't matter what you claim on your taxes. Doesn't matter what, what name you put above it. You need Jesus. And if you're his, you're going to think like him. You're going to act like him. You're going to love like him. And people are going to try to brand you and title you and put you in a box. I am not going in a box. Oh, you're radical. No, I'm a Christian. And if you say I'm a radical, good. Jesus was pretty radical. He was pretty counterculture. He didn't just go with the flow. But he also didn't get so involved with the politics that he didn't lose sight of the kingdom of God. Whose, whose picture is on that coin? Caesar's. Okay, well, give to Caesar's what's Caesar, but give to God what is God's. Give to God what is God's. He wants all of you. 
Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, we need your peace. And flat out, the only way we're going to ever have peace is to be at peace with you. And I thank you, Lord, that some 20, 22 years ago, a little over 22, almost 23 years ago, you ended the hostility. And I finally realized that I had to put up the white flag. I surrender. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here today, you've been battling, you've been running from God. I'm here to tell you, you will not have peace. There's not enough drugs. There's not enough sex. There's not enough whiskey. There's not enough riding motorcycles. There's not enough things that you want to do that you think brings you joy. There ain't enough of it. It won't bring peace. The only way you find peace is you find Jesus because Jesus is peace. And if you haven't made peace with your maker, today's your day. I'm going to talk to the rest of the church. By the church, I mean, it means you've already made your peace with God. But you might not right now be at peace. You need to do what God's calling you to do so you'll be at peace. You need to put aside whatever he's asking you to put aside or, or you need to step into whatever he's asking you to step into so that you'll be at peace with him. Because then you'll be able to carry the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. You'll be able to carry the good news. You'll be able to share the good news of the gospel with the world because you actually have experienced it and are walking in it. So Lord, we just lift up. I just, just pray right now where you're at. If, if you... You haven't made, made Jesus your personal Savior. You do that right, right now. I'm going to tell you how to do it. You say, God, I'm sorry. I've violated your laws. I've broken your commandments, and I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior today, and I'm going to exchange my sin for your righteousness. I want to be, be found righteous in your sight. And God, I'm committing. Now, now hear me. If you're doing this, I'm committing my life to you. All my hopes, my wants, my dreams, my future, my desires, they're yours. It's not about me anymore. It's about you, Jesus. If that's your heart, the Bible says, then you are saved. You are renewed, brand new creation, new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything becomes new. New desires, new wants, new dreams. New peace. Righteousness. Joy are all yours. And if you're making that declaration to the Lord today, I want you to, to tell someone afterwards, but know this, right now, heaven is celebrating. Heaven is celebrating. The, the angels are celebrating. The shepherd is celebrating over that one that was lost that he found. He's come home. And the rest of us, who we could say, I made that declaration, Pastor, but I'm not established in peace. I'm still fearful. I'm still, I, I guess I, I haven't allowed the perfect love of God to come in. I'm not walking in it. I'm still resisting Lay it down, church. Lay all those things down. Lay the arguments down against peace and raise up that flag of I surrender to you, God. I surrender. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. I'm going to go where you've asked me to go. I'm going to say what you're telling me to say. Because I know the gospel is the good news. And we don't have to be ashamed of the good news. We don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall inherit the earth 
made that declaration today. You say, Pastor, I, I've given my, I've rededicated my life to the Lord. Just right where you're at, just lift your hand up. I see you. Awesome. So awesome. Now, I want you to, everyone open up your eyes. I want you all to look at me. You're not limited. This isn't the only place that you can be saved. If you're like, I'm not there, I don't want to force you, and I'm not going to twist your arm. But know this, I got saved in a jail cell. It wasn't in a church. The Holy Spirit was not afraid to come in there. The Holy Spirit ain't afraid to go anywhere. He's everywhere already. You can be at home, and just finally you can say, God, I'm sorry. I want what that pastor was talking about. I want what that man's talking about. It doesn't have to, there's not a perfect, there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible, by the way. We just confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart. And he did go to the cross for us. He did die for our sins in our place. We do believe that he resurrected. And because he died and resurrected, that means when I died to him, I can have a new life. Amen? And then from that point forward, you can walk in peace. Knowing that if I got hit by a semi-truck, we're good. No matter what, you have peace. You got truth on. You got a breastplate of righteousness. We got our feet shod in the gospel. I thought we'd have two more things on, but <laughs> next week, oh no, not next week. Week after that, we'll, we'll go with the shield. Um, I do want to say, Dick Williams is going to be here. I would encourage you to bring, just yourselves, bring someone else. I think the biblical term I would say, I would call Dick Williams, is a psalmist. He's more than a prophet. He, he has a prophetic gifting, and, and, and he's so sound. And like, I never worry about like anything weird happening. Any, any, he is so biblically sound, but he does have a, a, a very gifted, submitted um, heart to the Lord. And he'll play songs, and as he's playing songs, sometimes he just... We'll have a word for somebody. He's always submitted to the church and the pastors. And um, honestly, I mean, he's been, he's been on this earth for a while. So um, I don't know how long he's going to keep coming out and doing those things. So if you haven't been ministered to or heard that or seen that ministry of a psalmist, a true biblical psalmist, that's what I would say Dick Williams is. And uh, we're very, very blessed to be able to have him. So um, the last week of having two services is next week. So uh, just encourage me to pray a blessing over you. Father. Thank you that I get to serve you with your kids. So awesome. I love this church. I love these folks that you have partnered with. And, and we get to, to worship you together on Sundays and, and on Tuesdays in prayer. And, and uh, we thank you, Lord, that we have family, that you've established that. And we value it very dearly, God. So, so we just lift up those who aren't able to be here today, those who are sick who are being tormented by the devil. Lord, we just break all assignments of the demonic realm. Lord, we just declare peace over their bodies. We thank you, Jesus, that you were wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement for our peace was placed upon you. And by your stripes, we were healed. Amen. Amen. The church, go have a wonderful day. Enjoy this weather. And uh, if the Lord doesn't come back,